0: up y'all and welcome back to found bites a game review series my name is Brian I'll be your host for the show if you don't know about us we're all about testing out and finding small high-quality video games this is a podcast that aims to respect your time and money as a gamer and a consumer by sifting through storefronts and sales to find those gems that may be worth your precious resources if you're interested in reaching out or helping out Feel free to email us at foundbytesgrs at gmail.com. Tweet at foundbytesgrs. And also rate and subscribe us on whatever podcast feed you are using. But enough about the show. Let's get into our next game. Yes. (laughs) There you are. Oblivious. Drifting through the Atlantic. You know not what awaits you, Gifted One. You know not what drew you to this ship to begin with. Dread Nautical is the game for this week's episode. Dread Nautical is a tactical roguelite. RPG, some comparable games. I feel a lot of State of Decay vibes. State of Decay is a series of games on Xbox and also a lot of Darkest Dungeon and Void Bastards. Release dates, originally this was released in September of 2019 on Mac and iOS, and then in 2020 on PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. The developer is also the publisher. And it is Zen Studios, actually based out of Hungary, although they have, I think, some uh, US uh, offices. Not so small. They have about 70-ish employees. But they really started out prioritizing um, making pinball tables, so a lot of licensed ones like for Disney or Marvel, stuff like that. And then eventually, they got into making pinball video games, which were also licensed. But the big one that they made, I think, had the most popularity was a game called Zen Pinball. So they made a lot of other pinball games that are Disney licensed and things like that. But then they also had a big game called Castle Storm that I think got a lot of popularity. Original MSRP, the game released at 19.99. dollars time Runtime of the game, I'm seeing a lot of different things here. Uh, there's not much data, but I have seen about 10 hours. Um, but as I'm playing, I'm thinking more along like 15 to get through it, um, but give or take some extra things or, or going out of your way to do certain things. For our PlayStation listeners, there's no Platinum Trophy here. Me, I got this on sale for 4.99, dollars and so far I've put somewhere between five and six hours. I would say I'm about halfway. There are 20 levels or 20 floors, and I've gotten through a little more than 10 Uh, I have a really good idea of how the game works, uh, and I would like to finish this out because as I'm getting to about past the halfway point, there are some things uh, like story-wise or or lore-wise that are starting to change, and it's very interesting. No one really recommended this game to me. I saw it on sale on PSN uh, because I've been playing it on PS4, and it looked fun. It looked very silly with some of the colors and the visuals but it looked like a pretty good tactical game. I would say visually uh, it reminded me uh, a lot of Void Bastards. All right, let's talk some gameplay here. So this is a tactical slash real-time RPG, uh, a little similarity to Transistor in that realm. Uh, And it is party-based. It can be party-based, or you can kind of go solo with a character. But the way the game begins, right off the bat, before you even jump in, it lets you select the difficulty options. And it gives you a fairly detailed description of them individually. You have normal, hard, and insane. And the description mainly has to do with what happens when your character dies. So I liked this transparency pretty well. I was inching towards the hard mode. And it's funny because the game actually really recommends that you play it for the first time on normal. And I clicked hard and it was like, whoa, are you sure? It's highly recommended that you play it on normal. So I was like, okay, that's fine. So I played it on normal. And as I've been playing through it, I can see where... Uh, the hard uh, difficulty would come in. Uh, I did die a couple times, and it just kind of resets you before the level, but I can see how the hard uh, would come in and make it more of a challenge. I like that I've played it through a little more than halfway on normal. I'm fine with their suggestion. I'm enjoying playing it on normal. It's really given me a chance to uh, really sink my teeth into some of the nitty-gritty stuff that I really enjoy, some of the gameplay loops. As soon as you pick your difficulty option, it'll have you choose from four different characters and they have different stats. And we'll talk about what some of those stats are. You'll also have like different special abilities and they'll also have like different personalities. And then as you start to play through, uh, there are a lot of little tutorial messages and I really appreciate this, um, but you can skip them. I don't think going through with them is really that much of a burden. It's just like a single screen and then it shows you like the scenario in a picture and then some description about what it's talking about and after like the first level or so it I didn't see any again so the main gameplay loop that you're going to experience is going to start with this cycle of you waking up in a safe room there'll be NPCs in that safe room to talk to at first it's just one but then this will gradually grow and you can walk around and talk to them and then as you progress you're going to build and also upgrade different stations in that safe room. And at these stations, you're gonna manage different aspects of your character, your characters, um, and the safe room itself. Aside from that, you're going to uh, see an elevator on the one side, and when you go in the elevator, you choose what floor to go to, and these are gonna be the different levels that you're gonna to go to. And there are 20 levels, and so you start with access to the first one, and then you'll get access in succession as you beat them but you can always go back to older levels. When you go into a level, you're going to do like a run. You're essentially going to get put in these procedural maps that have the same basic outline format. And there'll be different rooms that you can go in, and they might be different types of rooms. But essentially, there's like one box that uh, all the rooms will fit in. It's the shape of a cruise ship. Uh, This format is very similar to Void Bastards, if you've started to play that. The ship is kind of always going to be in the same format, but some of the rooms you might not have access to, but some of them will be like different types of rooms. You will control your character, like a third-person camera, top-down. So it's an isometric camera, and you can zoom into your character, you can zoom out, and you can constantly rotate the angle to get a better look at different scenarios or once you're in combat. Moving your character... So it's gonna be kind of like a point and click, almost like Diablo. And as you're moving the cursor, you're going to see a square. And so it is kind of a grid that you're walking in, although you don't see the grid lines, but as you move your your cursor, like it'll highlight the different squares. And it's like, you just click somewhere and then they'll walk to there. They'll find the path to get there. When you're not in combat, you can move freely. So you can constantly be moving the camera and just click a space and your character will walk to there. And I like this because you can actually move the character while they're moving so that you don't have to like be fixated on them. So you can look at different things. You can turn the camera when it's just one character. Then you're just going to be your one character will go where you say once you start to get a party, like depending on which character you're highlighting, you can move all of them at the same time or you can toggle on and off controlling them individually. You still have to like go to where they are. And but it is nice if you want to split up sort of the. The exploration. But I think once you get into battle, everyone has to move by battle rules, even if you're not near where the battle is. So, uh, But I do like that option, uh, especially when it comes to kind of maneuvering where the characters are before battle starts. Um, because sometimes what will happen is you'll start battle, and if you're just moving one character and controlling all of them, uh, sometimes they don't all run at the same time, or like sometimes there'll be space between them. Um, And it might actually affect uh, where they start in battle. So just be aware of that. And as you're roaming through the level, opening doors, going into different rooms, essentially what you're doing there is searching and scavenging for stuff. So things that you'll be looking for and collecting, food, scraps, runes, weapons, consumables, and gear. So the first three, food, scraps, and runes, you're going to want to find this constantly, and you will. Uh, These are just things that you're going to need and, and you're going to be using constantly, and there's no limit to how much of it you can have. But the other things are going to be dependent upon inventory space, and as you start, your character will have a set inventory that they can hold, and you'll see it at the bottom of the screen. You'll see these diamonds there that'll house the different items that you have. And in that inventory right down the bottom, you'll have uh, weapons and consumables. You'll have a separate slot for gear because every character can be wearing one piece of gear at a time. As you're looking at your inventory at the bottom of the screen, you're going to be able to move uh, with the D-pad to go back and forth between the weapons or the consumables that you have in your inventory. And you can constantly drop them. Or if you go up to search for something, you'll go to it and then it'll show the item. And if you're full in your inventory, you'll be able to exchange it or actually even use it while it's sitting on the ground. And this is really something to utilize because when you have items that are sitting on the ground, you can leave them there and they'll stay there so they won't disappear. So you can actually use that to your advantage. You can drop things and leave them there. Like if you have like a health item and it's taking up a slot in your inventory, but you don't need it right now, you can leave it on the ground somewhere and then just go back and pick it up or even use it while it's on the ground. I did this a lot with weapons. Like if I really liked my weapons, but like there was a new weapon there that was kind of okay, and I just wanted to use it as a throwaway, it it was nice to have that. So speaking of weapons and consumables, uh, the main things that you'll have to deal with with these are the number of charges and gear will have this too, as well as AP cost. And that's gonna be related to battle. When you have a certain number of charges on a weapon or on a consumable, that's telling you how many times you can use it before it'll be essentially obsolete. When you have a weapon and you put that number down to zero, that just means that you can't use it anymore, but it's still in your inventory and you can take it back to your safe room and we'll talk about how to repair and upgrade, things like that. But if you have a consumable, like a medical pack, once you use it for the last time, it's gone. So the same thing goes for the weapons as with the gear. Your gear can sustain a certain number of hits before it's not going to do what it's going to do anymore, but it'll still be there and you can repair it. When you're not in battle, you're doing all this, you're scavenging and finding this stuff. Once battle starts, everything kind of changes. And the way that battle starts, once you're within a certain proximity of an enemy, it'll go into tactical battle mode. Sometimes it might also be by opening a door that has enemies in it, but I still think it's with when they're in, within a certain proximity. I think it's like five spaces, uh, but it, it teeters off diagonally. Once this happens, it turns into a tactical turn-based game, and the way the turns go is it's you, or whoever is on your team. You'll, you'll be able to use all their turns at the same time. Then it'll go to the enemy's turn, And then it'll go to any NPC survivors that are just kind of roaming around. And the way that you take your turn is all of your characters are going to have a certain number of action points. And you can use these action points to essentially do everything. So it's going to be for movement. It's going to be for using weapons. It's going to be for using consumables. Consumables, more often I use these when not in battle. So it doesn't really matter how many action points they take. Um, But when you're in battle, you have to consider that because you're going to be using part of a turn if you need to heal someone. And so the way it works is if you have a character that, say, has four action points, that means they can move four spaces or that means they can move a certain amount and attack with a weapon that has one action point or two action points or three action points. And so you can do any combination of things with all of your characters. And what's really cool is is that you can switch between your characters at any point during their turn. So if you have three characters and they all have four action points, you can move one, one space, and then you can move another two spaces, then you can attack with another, and then attack with the third. And this gets really cool because the orientation of the characters and the enemies matter. So you can actually like flank some of your enemies, you can do back attacks. And so this is really useful because you can put somebody... In the back of an enemy and then have them attack and the enemy will then face that character once they've been attacked by them and then you can have like another character now go on the backside of that other enemy and if you have enough action points you can actually hit them back and forth and get a lot of damage because flanking and uh, doing a back attack actually gives you more damage so i really like this i love the combination of You can stop and start different characters and really strategize. You can really get down into it. And I really enjoy that. Other things to consider are enemy sight. So you might be within the spaces of an enemy to get to have battle start, but if they're facing a certain direction, they don't see you. So you can actually sneak up like right behind them. If you want, you can even end your turn and it'll skip over the enemy's turn if they don't see you. So really cool. And then you can like start your turn with a back attack and I think you do even more damage if they don't see you. In terms of the orientation aspect, one thing that kind of annoys me is like, as you're moving your character, whatever direction you move them, even if you move them one space at a time, that's the direction they're going to be looking in. So if you wanna move away from an enemy one space, you're gonna wind up with your back to them. And this is something that I wish the game had corrected and made similar to a game called Felseal, Arbiter's Mark, where at the end of your character's movement, You can always reorient them. So, I wish it was able to do that. But given the amount of customization and exposing of enemies that you can do on your turn, I guess uh, that's a compromise there. Something else to think about is like path to attack. This is so useful. You'll have weapons that have a lot of different ranges. Some of them are going to be like you have to be right next to the enemy. Some of them you're going to have like a range of two, some have four or five. You'll start to get guns. And what's interesting is, If you are unsure if you're going to be able to hit an enemy, or if you're unsure if you're going to have enough points, or if you're unsure if like the ranged weapon you have is going to be able to shoot over obstacles in the room, you can actually move your cursor with the D-pad. You can move over the weapon that you want to use, and then just point your cursor at the enemy, and it will actually tell you like the best place to position you and if you'll have enough moves left to do the ranged attack so i found this really useful but it doesn't show you like all the options so if you once you get the hang of it if you're like okay i'm gonna want to do a back attack here so like i'm not just gonna highlight this and have them move to where it says to move them like i'm gonna manually move them one spot at a time so it's good to have both those options and again once you get that confidence You'll kind of know if it's a quick battle, like, yeah, I'll just click on the enemy and they'll move there and shoot the gun and he'll be dead. When your turn is over, uh, it's because you're, all of your members are completely out of action points. But you can end your turn early if you want, if it's just like, I'm not going to move any further because I know this enemy's going to hit me. Fleeing a battle, I found could be a little bit of a pain in the ass. Because if I opened a door and I wasn't ready for what was inside and now I'm in battle and like I wanted to go back and grab a healing item or, or something like that that was in another room. As long as an enemy is within range, like you're only moving the number of spaces in your action points. and So sometimes like battle can turn off if the enemies are far away. I didn't... It was still a little unclear about the consistency of that. So just be aware of like fleeing a battle can sometimes be annoying. I really dig the full use of the controller in this game. Like I said, you'll be using a cursor kind of with the joystick on console but you'll also be using the d-pad constantly like as you move through your inventory you can press the down arrow to drop an item or you can press the up arrow to give you a description of the weapon in terms of your party you're going to eventually have to find some npcs that you'll be able to turn into party members and as you're going through some of these levels like the first time you go through these levels you'll see npcs kind of in real time walking around and loafing around Sometimes you'll actually see them fighting in real time. It'll look like it's real time to you, but if you're not close enough to be in battle, you won't see how the turns are playing out. So you'll kind of see them hurting enemies, and then after a few seconds, like the enemies will hit them back. (laughs) Sometimes I like hung back and actually just let them kill the enemies, and and it worked out pretty well. Once you go up to an NPC, you'll have dialogue options, and above them, you'll see like a little like meter. It tells you like how much their affinity is growing with you and if it goes all the way up they'll want to join your party but it'll take some time like the first time you see them you won't be able to get them to join your party you're actually going to see some of these recurring in multiple levels you'll see the same npc and you'll have to do more dialogue choices and sometimes they'll actually give you side quests the main quest for you in each level is basically just going to be getting to the end which is the bridge where the horn is um, and sometimes you have to unlock it by like killing certain enemies or killing certain bosses. But essentially at the end of the level, you go to the bridge and you like sound the horn. Your character will pass out and then they'll wake up again in the safe room. After you do this and you end the level, you're going to have to feed your party members. And this is where picking up food comes in um, because you're going to have different meters on each character that are how hungry they are and then sort of how stressed they are. And if you let them go hungry uh, or get stressed, um, it's gonna affect if you choose them to bring them to the next level, they're not gonna be as strong or they're not gonna have as much of their max health. So there's kind of a risk reward if you start to get low on food. Uh, There were a couple times where I let people go down like one tick of the meter of being hungry and they weren't too happy about it, but I wound up saving food. And then when you get back to your safe room, some of the NPCs that are there will have new dialogue, especially if you have new NPCs. And when you talk to them, they kind of give you story bits or, or tell you like what you're gonna to need to do next or where to go next. When you get back to your safe room, this is where you'll start to be able to upgrade stuff. And so as you get different NPCs, as you progress through the story, you'll get the option to build different stations. And the different stations, uh, one is uh, beds, you won't be able to get a new recruit unless you have an empty bed. So you need to upgrade this constantly to add NPCs to your party. And anytime you're building a station, you need scraps to do it. So scraps are going to be the item or the collectible that you'll see the most and that you're going to need the most. Another station is going to be about character stats and upgrading them. Some stats that you can upgrade, your HP for each character, uh, melee damage, range damage. You can upgrade their action points and their inventory. These are going to be like the most important. There'll be a health station where you can make medical packs. And then they'll eventually be like this mental health station where you can put characters in there. And they'll like calm down. Or, But when they're in there, they'll stay behind so you can't use them. Then you'll have a station for weapons and gear. It's for repairing weapons and upgrading them. When you have a weapon that's down to zero charges, you'll have to repair it. And what's really cool about this is you can tick down how many scraps you're going to spend to repair that weapon, and it'll lower the percentage of success. For a lot of these, you can tick them down almost a third of the way, and it'll stay above 90%, and so I've been using that a lot, and I've done it a lot that way, so I wound up spending less scraps. And then upgrading, this is where I really dove in, because if you upgrade your weapons, you can upgrade and have higher number of charges, they can do more damage, they can increase the range. This whole gameplay loop is very Darkest Dungeon, like bringing your party back and upgrading different buildings so that you can upgrade your characters and all this stuff. Dying. So your character can die if your HP goes all the way down in battle. And depending on the difficulty level, different things will happen. So I'm doing the normal one, normal difficulty. And so what happens if you die, you just repeat that day and you wake up back in your safe room on hard level. You will lose all of your gear that you had if you died. And the party you had kind of scatters like you'll have to find them again in the world. And then if you do insane difficulty, you die and you have to start all the way from the beginning. So in terms of overall pacing of the game, like I said, the tutorial notes are good and optional. I think it's good to go through them. I like the pacing of introducing different enemies and different statuses and even like floor hazards and stuff like that. I think the enemy variety is fine. There's not, you know, crazy variety, but I don't think there needs to be. In terms of challenge, I think there's nice scaling. I died twice on one level and it was a pretty early level, maybe like level four, level five. But since then, I've kind of learned my lessons about like what to bring uh, with my different characters, like who's bringing the healing items, who has the bigger inventory, stuff like that. And overall, I think just a great amount of accessibility in terms of information, being able to at any point look at different weapon descriptions and in the upgrade menus they have like legends like you can click a button in the weapons upgrade menu and it'll tell you what every one of those symbols means that's something that a lot of games lack and i was really appreciative of sort of the transparency there and and it just leaves kind of everything on the table which is really nice All right, let's talk about the vibe of this game. From the very first moment I saw it, it looks silly, goofy, (laughs) visually, and just it doesn't take itself too seriously, which I I really enjoy. Even from the very beginning, there's this intro video where it's like, oh, there's people on this cruise ship. Like, little do they know that, like, disaster's coming and demons and all kinds of crazy stuff, and you're like, this is kind of silly. Visually, it's very colorful. I think it's very similar to Void Bastards, I think the 3D models of the characters are just great. It's like Crash Bandicoot, like PS1-level graphics, but I think that's fine. A game that kind of recognizes what it is and the beauties in the gameplay, and it's kind of silly visually, but it leans into it, and I like that. And it actually helps with sort of the sense of humor it's going for. Enemies are fine as well. Uh, Some of them are zombie-like. There is some uh, Cthulhu enemies, like tentacles and all kinds of crazy stuff. In terms of audio... There's a lot of ambient sound. There's really not a lot of music, and it was actually a real pain trying to find any kind of soundtrack. They just don't have it sort of listed as a soundtrack. Uh, I couldn't find it on Steam or anything. I couldn't even find track names or or anything, so we're kind of playing some of the ambient sound just from gameplay. Sometimes there'll be like lightning and thunder and, you know, enemy sounds. There'll be some squishing and Sometimes some room noises, like if you go into a medical room, you'll hear like a heart monitor. (laughs) In terms of characters, oh my gosh, these characters are caricatures. A lot of stereotypical accents, just like, oh, you have one guy who's like, I'm the French guy, and like, I'm the Scottish guy, and like, oh, I'm the girl from the club, and da, da, da. Again, it's not to be taken too seriously. It's over the top stuff, um, and it really fits the silly vibe. Uh, Some of the small touches that you'll see in this game, Uh, some of the weapon descriptions maybe laugh a little bit. Also, as you're exploring, you'll find these tomes that'll be like translating certain things. And the loading screens will have these weird kind of symbol messages. And I think it's trying to tell a story. Thematically, there's a little bit of Groundhog Day in here, like who remembers what. Um, and when you hit the foghorn at the end of the level, like everyone gets knocked out like into a deep sleep, and then you wake up in the bed the next day. As I'm getting through the game, I was like, okay, I really like this gameplay loop. It's kind of silly with the characters. But I'm starting to see some more kind of sinister stuff on unfolding in the plot, and I'm finding it interesting at this point in the game, like it's coming back like, oh, there actually is a story here. So it gets kind of interesting. Um, and it's even a bit more extensive than I first thought. Let's wrap up the conversation about Dreadnautical. This is a great gameplay loop in in many different aspects that I just, I can't say it enough. I'll I'll eat this up with a spoon. This just feeds my hunger. Like the upgrading weapons, recruiting NPCs. It has high accessibility. It also has challenge. Like you can really cater your experience to what you're looking for. Really good pacing. And I think the tutorials uh, are just enough. I like jumping in and doing a level. I think this would be great on Switch, like do a level before bed, uh, kind of see what weapons you can come up with. And really lighthearted, silly, goofy, you kind of know what you're getting, you're not taking the characters or anything too seriously. And I paid 5 bucks for this. Incredible value, especially if you're somebody that likes tactical games, likes you know, upgrade loops and, and things like that. I highly recommend this game, um, even for like 10 bucks, I think this is a great deal. Alright, that's going to wrap up this episode. Stay tuned for our next episode to see what new game we found for you.